body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm Ryan Rodosovich, joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. Like always, it is the first podcast of the year. Sorry for our uh, little bit of an extended hiatus. Uh, it's been a while and our last pod of, uh, never got up, so very, very, very sorry about that. But we're back. It's a whole new year, and uh, it's uh, the second half of the season finally underway. Maybe for Michigan State, not the start that they wanted. And, of course, we're going to break that down. But, gentlemen... Happy New Year to you guys, and how you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, it's yeah, been a very eventful break. I mean, not only for me, but just for like you know, MSU hockey as a whole and all that. Um, but yeah, excited for the second half. Gonna, gonna try and get a lot more like written content done this semester. Um, now that I have a lot more free time, so look for that as well. Pod is long overdue. Very. Uh, yes. Very much been looking forward to starting the second half of the season with Michigan State hockey. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into it this weekend. Yeah, honestly, this is like the first time in my collegiate history where I was on break and I'm like looking looking at looking at my calendar, looking at my watch. I'm like, I kind of want to get back to it. I want to get back to Michigan State. I want to get back to the grind. This is my last semester before I graduate, so I'm like. I just want to get back to it, and now we're here. We're doing the podcast. I went to media availability with Stinson the other day, and I'm just like, it's fun. It's it's fun to get back into it. And uh, I wish we had the cameras working. We do have some cameras we're trying to install in the studio because we do have Jersey Night, and we got some uh, some beautiful jerseys. I'll try to try to throw a picture up on social media or something. But we I got I got like a Detroit Red Wings uh, stadium series from a while ago against Colorado. Like we got, we got some nice threads right now. Yeah. At, your, at least Phillips and I were trying to show off. Uh, we were going for showing off the, uh, the Christmas jerseys we got. I am rocking a St. Louis blues reverse retro Ryan O'Reilly Jersey. And, fun, and it's a very nice Jersey, but I learned like only a couple days after getting it or maybe like the days leading up to Christmas or whatever. I forget. But uh, basically, Ryan O'Reilly is probably not going to be on the team in a few months. So, yikes. Um, I mean, get the jersey is. while you can. <laughs> it still looks beautiful. It's a beautiful jersey, <laughs> but like, dang. Yeah, go go look at our socials or search it up if Should you, you want to take a look. Bit, but, a bit uh, of a sour sweet jersey. <laughs> I'm rocking the Canes black alternate Sebastian Ajo jersey, the Storm Flags, because I don't like the Hurricanes reverse retro. It's pretty basic, but I love the the black alternate huge fan of this. I wish they wore it more. We got some nice looking threads in here. So yeah, hopefully we can get the cameras up before we're done with this season, but we'll see. Stuff uh, stuff does take a while sometimes, but let's get into MSU Hockey. That's what we're here for. That's what we got to talk about, and uh, we're going to recap the, the GLI and the Ohio State series because that is what we missed. Uh, we won't go super in-depth with them because GLI was a, uh, was a long time ago at this point, but the first game of the GLI it was against Ferris State, and uh, Michigan State did its big upset, honestly, for and huge dub for uh, Ferris State. Michigan State did fall to the Bulldogs 4-2. Uh, Ferris State was ahead 3-0 in the first, despite MSU outshooting them 15-6, and then they kind of had to crawl their way back, but eventually just ran out of steam, couldn't, uh, couldn't get the dub, and MSU had 50, 50 shots? I want to say it was 47. 47. Dang near 50 shots, but uh, it was, yeah, not not a game that you wanted to see if you were an MSU fan, especially to start out GLI when MSU was most likely favored to win it. Yeah, I mean, it's not the result you want, but, like, yeah, Ferris scored, what, what did they say? Their coach said, I think it was three goals in the first five shots. That's um, what it was? Oh, wow. Yeah, which is something that's not going to happen, like, very often at all. Um, no, and, so, and not especially against Dillon State's here, too. Right, and so, I mean... You kind of have to live with that, especially if you outshoot a team by the the box score says forty seven to twenty two. Oh. Um, if you outshoot a team by more than double, nine times out of ten you win that game. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, you probably win that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I feel like the Ferris game. Yeah, it sucks. You know, you're not going to win the GLI anymore after that. Um, but like, you know, you can. There's a lot of positives you can take away from that and just look at it and say. You know, 
everything we've did in this game. There's not really much more else you could ask for aside from the not letting up three goals and five shots. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that first period, not only three goals and five shots, they had six shots in that entire first period. Almost every shot they scored on. And I mean, and you look at the penalties, both teams took five penalties for 10 minutes, but Ferris State taking advantage of uh, power play, getting two goals on the power play. Michigan State not able to pick up one. That's just one of those... Uh, and, and I know power play has been one of those things Michigan State's been struggling with, at least in the first half of the season, is getting that production when you have the man advantage. And this is one of those clear uh, cases where you can just see it, it worked for Ferris State. Yeah, and uh, just, to, just to recap a little bit from that game, Cole Krieger did have two goals himself, so he was he was very impressive. A shorthanded goal, a 4-on-4 four four goal, and he, he ran one off the post for a hat-trick, so he could have been literally the... Uh, the sole proprietor for MSU getting the dub there. But like Stincy said, it sure you lose this game, but it wasn't it wasn't like MSU lost lost their wheels and just all the doors got blown off. They they played their game, they played it right. It was just unfortunate that uh they let in the goals early and then it was harder to crawl back. But yeah, 40 47 shots, 45 saves. That's that doesn't happen often, especially for MSU, although they have been shooting relatively well this year some negative news to come out of that though Nash Neenhaus did get injured in that game so that's a big piece Neenhaus he puts up decent numbers but what I like about Neenhaus is he is such a solid skater in all zones if you want to watch one person that I want to say never makes a mistake watch Nash and he you can see he wins loose pucks he's quick he's decisive he's stick he's tape to tape and now after after this uh first GLI game missing him we'll talk about it 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 seems like msu has been missing him a little bit yeah definitely i mean when you're losing a one of your top defense but obviously it's gonna hurt um yeah what i what i personally really like about nash House is just like i think he's very smart with his stick uh being able to kind of shut people down but like not necessarily you know laying the body all that much because he's five nine he's not going to um but like a lot of like poke checks, stick lifts, things like that, he's really good at like timing, you know, his stick checking and whatnot. And I think that's where he really does his magic, creating turnovers and pushing the puck the opposite way. Um, because he is, he does obviously have the ability to distribute and kind of quarterback like a power play and things like that. Um, so I think that's where his strength probably is the most, but still. Yeah, I mean, I I really have to agree. One of the things that I've liked in moments from Michigan State's defense is being very deliberate. You're not really throwing the body around unnecessarily, but you know there are times when they do it and they have to. But you also are not just sitting back trying to jam the lane and you know hope that not a shot gets through. They're being very decisive about going after the puck. And in my opinion, that's where they really shine on defense. You can see where they start to get a little bit more, not really aggressive, but... They take action. They don't just sit back on defense, and I think Nat Schneenhaus is a huge part of that. So having him injured really, and as we'll kind of get into this, took that uh, took a piece of that away from the defense. And uh, we'll we'll wrap up that four two loss against Ferris to open up the GLI move into the next game against Michigan Tech. It was a very very close game. Once again, nothing really blaring for MSU like they they didn't go away from their game. It was close. Uh, there was a lot of just little things that happened in it that didn't go MSU's way, and they eventually fell 3-2 to two in overtime against Tech to finish last in the GLI. But uh, when, you're, when we were in um, player or media availability a couple days ago, Adam Nightingale talked about it. He said Michigan State did not play a bad GLI. They are just unfortunate to lose both games, and uh, we'll go ahead and start breaking this game down right now. Yeah, that game, that, you know, game as a whole was a weird one it was a very it was a close game it wasn't what that like same dominant type of showing they had against ferris and the fountain the pucks just didn't go their way it was a very back and forth game the whole time um but what really did michigan state in at the end um were penalties they got they got themselves in penalty trouble late and the weird part about it was up until that point up until about like a minute five left in the game or like two minutes or whatever left in the game. Um, uh, there had only been two penalties called the entire game, one for each team. Um, and then so at the very end of the game, yeah, it says it was, what, two minutes and five seconds left. Cole Krieger gets called for elbowing. 
and then they uh, Michigan Tech gets a six on four, and they score on that, right? And then in overtime, again, Mirslav Mukha gets a penalty for tripping, and then they get it another call that. Well, penalty um, on Mukha. I don't think I've ever. I I think I remember one penalty on him before that. Right, but like Adam Nightingale himself kind of said he disagreed with the call and whatnot, but. And he thought it was kind of weird that the refs would like, I think his comment he made was like, he thought it was kind of weird that the refs were going to insert themselves into the game at that point when they put their whistles away for like the entire game before then. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I think the main thing is you just kind of have to try your best to at least avoid putting yourself in those situations. Um, because yeah, when you do, then you're kind of asking for trouble at that point. I mean, you talk about, Michigan State having the lead for most of that game, you know, through the second period, Daniel Russell scores, uh, putting him up two to one, and then, yeah, that power play really just did him in both third period and overtime. Yep. I mean, and you look, overtime penalty called on Muka. You just, it's just such a weird situation. Uh, you just don't see it happen. So, Michigan State, uh, again, kind of penalty kill. If they if they could have tightened it up, would have been a little bit a different game. And I'll give a little bit of credit where credit's due. Since uh, Nash House was injured the previous game against Ferris, uh, Victor Hertig, who's been pretty much the extra skater, hasn't really had himself a solidified role in the lineup. He's been able to step up, and uh, Jesse Tucker's first goal in the uh, the M Tech game, he actually had a nice stretch pass. So. Victor Hertzig is somebody. He's he's an NHL prospect. He's got a lot still to put together to get there, but he's six foot six, big body out of Sweden, and I mean, hey, he's going to be with this team for a while. So if 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 we're seeing Victor to grow early on with not much limited playing time, I wonder what he's going to blossom into. Yeah, I mean, Nightingale talked a little bit about him during media availability. He came out and spoke during media availability. Um, like I think things he even said himself. For him, it's a lot of just kind of adjusting to the speed of the game, which makes sense. He's a big kid, um, especially. So, yeah, it's it's definitely an adjustment. But I think he's starting to kind of find himself a little more, making a little less, like, mistakes and easing more into his role as, like, a, as a defenseman. And, uh, yeah, I think as Lincoln kind of keeps adjusting uh, building more like to the nuances of the game especially especially on defense being such just a hard position to learn in general i think then he'll he'll definitely build himself a nice career at michigan state um i think it's just a matter of development yeah i mean you talk about him not being able to play in the you know first bit of the season first game he, he was in i think it was long island which didn't see a whole lot of action i think he got called in a penalty on the second long island game but then after that, I mean, he gets thrown right into Big Ten play. So it really tough schedule to try and develop in, uh, especially without those, you know, first four or so games where you kind of test out the waters and get, you know, get back into the swing of things in college hockey. So, you know, lucky he's being able to develop himself, especially, I mean, this is just going to get a much tougher schedule from here on out. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that later on, but uh, that that'll pretty much wrap up the GLI. Like I said, Michigan State did finish last. Not something they were looking forward to going into. Well, actually, breaking out of the winter break since that was after it. But um, but that was that. Uh, the next thing on the slate, though, the Ohio State series also not going MSU's way. First game we're going to talk about. It was another. Not it was kind of M-Tech-esque, not, not, it didn't play out the same way, but it was a very low-scoring, close game that came down to just a couple things not going MSU's way. They did lose that game 3-1, to one, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, let's let's just talk about it. Let's break it down. Yeah, I think the those both games this weekend, a lot of big issues for Michigan State were penalties um, and taking penalties at bad times. And getting putting themselves in the box a lot because the main thing, even if you kill off penalties, it's almost impossible to generate momentum if you're constantly in the box every five minutes. Um, and like even in that first game, I know penalties were more the issue, the bigger issue in the second game, but in in the uh, in the second period of game one, the goal that would eventually be the game winner 
was a power play goal because, uh, yeah, of, of there were four MSU penalties in that period. And as a whole, when things like when they stopped taking penalties, the only period or yeah, when they stopped taking penalties, they were they started getting better. They clawed their way back into it. Jesse Tucker put up a goal um, in order to get him or get the Spartans back within one, and then the empty netter put it back up three one. But I think that's the biggest thing at takeaway out of the Ohio State series was very much penalties because they're they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot at that point if they if they keep staying in the box the way they had been. Yeah, I I don't want to get too ahead of myself because like you said it was uh that second game really penalties were ugly but uh this entire series Michigan State was on penalty kill for 24 minutes you're talking about over an entire period played down a man and that's just something you can't afford in not only a Big Ten game but a second half game against Ohio State a team that they pretty they had a convincing sweep against at Munn you can't afford to to be down a man, especially when you have Jakob Dobesh just, you know, putting up a much better performance than we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, Dobesh was also really good. I have to give him his credit on that. Yeah, and somebody that I I want to talk about that uh, I want to talk about because there's really not much to talk about on the MSU side of things. Tanner Kelly, who's who's been just a solid two hundred foot skater. He's quietly been creeping up the uh, the score sheet. He's at four goals, eleven assists, fifteen points. That's good for fourth on the team. He's just he's like I said, he's been quietly playing a great game. He's not he's not one to make many mistakes at all, and I think he's definitely blossomed this year. I'm pretty sure it's his sophomore year, right? It's got to be his yeah, sophomore. He's a yeah, sophomore. yeah, sophomore, hundred percent sophomore year, and it's somebody that, like I said, quietly just doing the right things and. I, I think he's going to have a breakout game at some point and somebody moving forward for MSU that I really want to see blossom. So I'm just giving credits where credit's due at this point. Yeah, definitely. He's been a really <laughs> solid playmaker for Michigan State so far. I'm de- He's definitely got to pay attention to in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know in a lot of those earlier Big Ten games, we highlighted that you know top line uh, really with Dorbert and Russell, but there's you know Tanner Kelly creeping up the points, but... There's honestly a lot of players on Michigan State that have, you know, they might might not score goals, but they certainly have a lot of points to their name. And there's just a lot of talent and a lot of skill, but also work ethic, I feel, on this entire roster that has gone into it. Even players that don't really appear on the on the point sheet. Uh, and I think that's what makes Nash Neenhouse the injury so important is that when you take a piece out of that team, it really damages chances when you go into these really intense high stakes games is that a lot of production comes from when the team is working together and they just flow and just any any bit that hurts that is just it is really detrimental so anything else that game gentlemen not really i mean no i'm Game two is where things really started going off the rails. Yeah, so game every every game before the Ohio State game two, there were one or two goal losses. MSU fought hard. They stayed. They stuck to their game plan, and it didn't look like anything was going off the rails. At this point, after the first loss against Ohio State, it's a four-game losing streak. You're worrying a little bit, but you're seeing how they play, and you you haven't hit the panic button, lost hope, nothing, nothing like that. And then the second game against Ohio State plays out. And for me, I was expecting Michigan State 100% to bounce back after the 3-1 loss, after a close game, and say, this losing streak is over, we're going to beat Ohio State and get the split. That was not the case at all. Michigan State suffers a 6-0 loss, their uh, biggest loss in the scoring margin of the season. Uh, And it was just a a game that you really didn't want to see and. Kind of, I, I hate to say it, but brings you back a little bit back to last year, especially now with a five-game losing streak. But it's just another a game that you really did not want to see at that time. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a bad time because, you know, well, any loss is, is at a bad time. But um, I think what's kind of most concerning about this loss is they just straight up did not look like the same team that we had seen in the first half of the season. This was the first time where I thought this is very much like, oh, this is a regression. Like they are going, they're not, they're very much not doing, they're not doing the little things that, you know, you'd associate with like, 
um, you know, winning hockey. They weren't playing winning hockey yeah. in the sense of like the fair state game. Sure, you know, the the one little weird period aside, they still dominated that game. Michigan Tech, they gave themselves a chance to win. The first Ohio State game, they fought back for a little bit. They showed a bit of life um, before that empty netter. There were signs of that. This was the first game where, like, front to back, there was, like, very few positives you could take away from that. Yeah, it feels like the Notre Dame 0-5 to loss at Notre Dame again where you were, like, or it was early on the season for Notre Dame, and you saw how good the team could be, but then you saw that Notre Dame 0-5 to loss, and you were like, hold on a second. But then MSU bounced back. They played great. But now this 6-0 loss comes during a four-game losing streak. That makes it a five. And now you're now you're starting to question the team a bit because they definitely got away from their game. And now, you know, it doesn't get any easier coming up against Penn State. But, uh, it's, you know, it's just uh, not, a, not a good loss to take. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you talk. There's, I mean, 16 total penalty minutes. Oh god, in just eight, the, eight penalties, 16 minutes. Yeah, it was not even a 10 minute. Jeez. No, and it's really surprising when you think that Ohio State only scored one power play goal. So I mean, the 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 penny, penalty kill uh, really stepped up. Yeah, that first goal was penalty or uh, power play by Michael Gilden. They actually got Cam Thiessen got a shorthanded goal in the second period too. It's just uh, you know, so penalty kill. Really had to work. Um, you also talk about so three goals in that first period. Dylan Saint Cyr got pulled after the first, mm-hmm. and she's had some questionable games in the second half of the season. In all fairness, Dylan Saint Cyr has been playing in net for Michigan State so much that it, it, when you really look at it, it it really is inevitable. You're just going to have a game where you you just have to get pulled because. You, you got to rest. You know, even in NHL, you'll see, you know, goalies on a hot streak, but you got to rest. You got to rest them. So you get pulled, put in your B goalie. Uh, so, I mean, it happens. And, you know, really credit where credit's due. Pierce Charleston didn't let through a single power play goal for Ohio State. No. There were seven penalties in the second and third period. Pierce Charleston really had to work. So I just credit where credit's due, making all those saves. There were there were there were moments, you know, again, you let up three goals in those two periods, but there were so many more opportunities for Ohio State to run away with it. So we're just good at title this pod, credit where credit's due. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cause that, that's been going on a lot lately. But uh following that six zero loss, uh Michigan State drops to twelve, eleven and one overall. Uh they fall to fourth in the Big Ten. Obviously five game losing streak you don't want to see. And now MSU in the USCH poll is ranked number seventeen. So they've been slowly falling down there. But really like really over this losing streak, we're we're just gonna kind of break down a little bit. What's been what's been different? What's been going wrong and what does MSU need to do right to uh you know, to get back in the winning column, really. I think the biggest thing you have to look at for when evaluating all of this is the um is the is that Ohio State game because that very much is the clear example of this is everything that like basically it's like everything that you have to do to win, you didn't do. Uh, like they like they need to continue. Their forecheck needs to be good. They need to be able to they need to get back to defending well and kind of keeping the shots and stuff to the outside um making things easy for the goalies to see they you know over there's a lot of things that when you think like when you get down to kind of the the more details of things um overall making the defense better focusing on the you know breakout and like forecheck even like they weren't really they were not really able to sustain much zone pressure at all through like this entire losing streak. And that was something I noticed because they're not really getting like the offense is pretty much dried up right now. And I attribute a lot of that to, yeah, just an an inability to get like real zone pressure. And one of the reasons why I think that's the case. And uh, Jesse Tucker talked about this. It's, it's how they've been playing in that D zone, how they've been trying to get the puck and get it out. They haven't been, he said, he said it straight up. They have not been, doing it as good as they did in the first half at all. Like, trying to uh, just break up the opponent's forecheck has not been there as much. 
And then just getting it outside the zone cleanly, outside the defensive zone cleanly, that's something that most people don't really note much in games, but that matters a lot. And I think Nashine House being out of the lineup is, I wouldn't say a huge factor, but it's definitely factoring into that a lot, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, he's one of the best guys, like I was talking about earlier, of you know being smart with the stick, being able to kind of strip the defenders of the puck and then immediately start throw and throw it back up to defensemen start the breakout. I mean, I, when you when you have guys like that, you're it's important always to have guys that can start the rush. Um, and so, if you got guys that are able to defend well enough and really shut down a forecheck like that, that makes a world of difference. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Nash House. I think he's actually the, I have the stats pulled up, uh, kind of lost them. I wish we could have an ice time stat. Have, do you, have you guys seen that anywhere? I don't think they track that in college. I don't no, think don't. so. No, there would uh, be too many people to be working for that. Because I want to see, I want to see our, or MSU's defensemen's rather, ice time per game. Nash House is the defenseman with the highest number of points on Michigan State. Oh, yes. I thought he was second. Nice. Okay. No. Uh, and this is even with being out for the last, uh, have, last three games. Do you have his plus minus pulled up by chance? He is at a plus minus of seven. Plus seven? Yeah, plus seven. Okay. I was hoping it was plus seven. I was like, minus seven? Oh, Jesus Christ. That would have threw us in for a loop. Plus yeah, seven. Yeah, no. Okay. Plus seven. And, you know, and you look at especially these last three games, you look at Michigan State's been outshot. All three of them. Oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not been huge, but they've been outshot. And they are, and I, I, heard this t- I heard this term over break watch, uh, watching a, a Canes game, actually. Michigan State is a high-volume team, and they love to just get pucks on net. They're not, the, they're not always the best looks by far, uh, but they do a good job typically when they're on the forecheck, keeping it in. And I think with Nashine House out, it just they haven't been able to do that. They've been giving up a lot of their offensive pressure and just, you know, go down, shoot it, retreat, rather than go down and keep it in and really play the rebound where they've gotten a lot of good chances in the past. So, I mean, it's it's really crazy because had Nashine House not been injured, I don't know if I would be looking at him as in-depth. Yep. But, I mean, he gets hurt, and then you just have some of the – most unexpected losses of the season. And I, I just think yeah, there's a, a clear correlation between the two. Yeah, so for MSU, they they need to clean some stuff up. And and they know that. They talked about that. Coach talked about that too. It's, it's, it's a hard league to play in every single week in, week out. You got top-tier competition, so... They hey they know that and they know they gotta they gotta put a lot of work back into uh to get back into the winning column and uh speaking the speaking of the winning column we'll uh update the Big Ten standings where some teams have been winning in the second half of the season sorry that was a really low dig my bad <laughs> I didn't mean for that to come out that mean anyways updated Big Ten standings for you guys uh right now overall it is Minnesota at number one Penn State at number two. Ohio State at number three. Michigan State has dropped down to four. They were third going into the break, so that's that's not that much of a drop. But MSU also does have two games up on every team in the Big Ten. Actually, four games up on Michigan. And then following Michigan State at four, it's Notre Dame at five. Michigan at six. Wisconsin at seven. And then we're still still going to pull from USCHO, rank, USCHO rankings for now. Uh, Minnesota, number two in the nation. Uh, Quinnipiac taking that number one spot after Denver fell to the Alaskan Nanooks. Nanooks? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Nanooks. Yeah, that that right there. Uh, number five, Penn State, which uh, Michigan State obviously versus this weekend. Coming in at number six in the USH poll, it's Michigan, followed by Ohio State at number eight. And then Michigan State will round out the Big Ten teams that are ranked at number 17. Notre Dame is no longer ranked, and Wisconsin will never be ranked for the whole entire season unless I unless I go on like a 10-game heater, which if they do, quote me. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's the updated standings, updated rankings for the Big Ten. But MSU's got a big, big series coming up at home. They're going to need they're going to need the home crowd at home against number five Penn State, a team that 
They met earlier in the season, obviously. They split. The uh, first game was a very, very close, easily winnable game for MSU. It was a 4-3 to three loss. And then they followed up in uh, Pagula Ice Arena with a 7-4 to four win, which that was a heck of a game. But for Michigan State, at this point, they they need a dub. It's it's five-game losing streak, the biggest losing streak they've seen this year. And they welcome in a very, very tough opponent that's doing pretty well. I mean, hey, they're ranked number five in the nation, so that's got to count for something. So let's break this series down, gentlemen. I mean, it's the same Penn State team we saw back in uh, November when it was. Yeah, it's just, The issue is, well, we see the same Michigan State team we saw in November, and that's the issue. Um but you know, as far as Penn State goes, it's the yeah, it's the same style of play. It's the very much throw pucks on net and see what happens, and no shots a bad shot, and they will smother teams with shots on goal. Um, like they've they've done that even more recently. Um, I'm trying to go back through this the past month because they played a very good December. Okay, um, we'll we'll play a fun little game. What do you think? Ooh, out of the, they like played games. six games in December, Penn State did. Um, what do you think the lowest amount of shots they put up in the game was? You want to go in, first? In the, out of those six, I'm gonna guess, and I have got my computer up, but I swear I'm not looking honor system here. I'm gonna guess 42. No, whoa, lowest, huh? lowest. Yeah, I mean, Low, I just, lowest. You think it was four? I'm going 34. It was 36. Oh, December second against that's Ohio still, State. That's still that's the low. That's averaging that's more their than lowest. More than that's averaging 12 shots per period. Yes. They have the most. They, that's Penn State hockey for you. <laughs> yeah, I think the number, the highest number, I think it got it was fifty, maybe. But I had to double check that. But my my mindset was it was either low forties or high thirties. So, but yes, Penn State has the averages most shots on goal per game in the country. Um, they average point one or they're point one short of forty shots on goal per game. Uh, which you know is a lot. Um. And the Michigan State kind of does similar things. They're sixth in that regard, but MSU is 34 shots per game. But it's the same thing. Penn State's a very aggressive team. They're going to try and smother teams with the four check and kind of put teams, you know, on their heels going in their own zone and just throw pucks on net like that. And I think that's honestly kind of a style Michigan State should want to replicate with that because we keep talking about the four check and needing to be aggressive for Michigan State and whatnot. And I think that Penn State's a really good team that does all those things very well. And at least that's my take on it is because as good as Penn State is, it's the, as a lot of that style of play, it's it does get very hard to play against when you're able to do it successfully. Um, and so I think that's going to be the key is first kind of limiting, or well, yeah, first doing that and being aggressive on your own offense. But the other thing I also kind of want to mention is defense they need to give some help to Dylan Saints here because they have been giving up some very good looks and they've turnovers things at the blue line whatever um so I think the key is to be like not get smothered in their own zone and you do that by being good on breakouts and four checks and things like that basically keeping the puck away from him um it, it's all interconnected I guess is what I'm trying to say but I think you know they need to at least Keep things a little outside for St. Cyr to, make, to calm things down uh, and give him some easier looks than what he's been getting. And then on top of that, being aggressive and trying to doing everything to keep the puck in the zone and sustain pressure. You said something that I want to recall, and I think you said it great. This is the same Penn State that Michigan State saw back in November. Right now, this isn't the same Michigan State. And we talked about, you know, a little bit ago, what all the things that Michigan State has not been doing to the level that they did in the first half of the season. Michigan State, they just they just straight up got to get back to it. And like I said before, they've been talking about it in practice. They they need their energy level higher. They need to be more honed in. And I don't I don't really know what else is going to change other than the practices and the coaching and the players' mentality. But MSU's got to get back to that level because last year's against Ohio State, one goal. I. Don't remember the last series. I I don't think Michigan State had one goal in a series. I think what they had two against Notre Dame, and that was the lowest. But yeah, one goal off of. Well, I, uh, I would say technically they it was one with a shootout win in that Notre Dame series. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. That's oh, what I was gonna it. say. Okay. God dang it! But uh, it's just yeah, 
MSU's got to get back to the game, and I wish I could <laughs> offer more in-depth analysis on that, but no, that's just yeah. that's just straight up. No, you're right. I mean, after Thanksgiving, too, or like after that Miami series, right after Thanksgiving, the offense is pretty much gone away. The most goals they scored in a game since then was three, um, and, now, and that was against Minnesota, and that was where like all three effectively garbage time goals. Yeah, and in November, they were averaging... 4.65 goals per game. Yeah, that's what the number is? Yeah. Right. yeah. In so November. They've only oh, hit three. So since then, it's been, in terms of goals for, 0, 3, 2, 1, 2, 2, 1, 0. Oh, God. That that sounds a lot like last year. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> right. And so I think that's what it means. That That's what I mean. Like I said, what I was saying all before about, you know, just pressure and things like that, it's it's all interconnected. But I think one thing... That you don't really think about, it, especially because there is, you know, collegiate winter break thrown in the mix. Michigan State will have been on the road for over a month, technically. Their last home game was against Michigan on December 9th. So great game, by the way. Yeah, it really the, the it, last it, the it, last MSU dub. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and before that, you had the sweep by Minnesota at Mun. But I mean, Minnesota is a fantastic team. But you look at you know, some of those really good games in November and they're at home. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think being back at Mon for the first time in over a month, playing in front of the Monsters and the Michigan State crowd, I don't know how much it's going to help directly, but State real I should say Michigan State, both teams are State. Um, Michigan State really needs to take advantage of having that home atmosphere because I mean it's 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 been a, a it's a bad losing streak and if there's a chance to snap it it's now. I mean they go on to play at Minnesota after Penn State. You know, this, aside from cleaning up discipline, turnovers, everything that you can work on anywhere, you really have to take advantage of home atmosphere here. Yeah, MSU needs an extra bump, and you you said at home atmosphere in Mun has been very very electric, especially in the games. Uh, you know the Michigan game, the Michigan series, well Michigan game at home, but uh, they're they're eight and four at home, and they like I said they need that bump because they yeah they just they just straight up need it. So uh, we'll jump right into the blank wins if segment. Michigan State will win a game or two this weekend, Stency, if they. Get back to what? Uh, I think the I talked I, like I said I just ran I emptied the boat on that just a minute ago. But yeah. <laughs> the one I'm going to pick I think most out of those is the four check um, because that's where they really I think did a good job against Penn State before was sustaining pressure, making things harder for Liam Soulier, um a little bit, and you know being able to really move the puck um, and not let Penn State and that offense really get to work like that. Um, I think that's going to be the key for them again, is can they keep the puck away off the Penn State sticks as long as possible? Because the moment it touches a Penn State stick, it's going back like they're throwing it on net at St. Cyr. That's how the game goes. Phillips, Michigan State will win if they do what? I like the idea of a better forecheck. And, and off the bat, I mean, there's so much I could say. Uh but I think I'm going to go kind of specific here. Uh, and this is one of the things I think I've, I've most definitely have mentioned before on the podcast is working on the rebound because you see some of the best performances, uh, even by players like Jagger Joshua, is coming off the rebound right in front of the net. And that goes in part with keeping the puck in during the four check and making sure Penn State doesn't get control back. But really getting a little bit better quality looks on the rebound than just putting it on net and not scoring off of however many shots. You know, you can outscore opponents, but one of the things, it's, it's not a guarantee, and I think the rebound is State's best, Michigan State's best chance, there we go, doing it again, Michigan State's best chance to get a puck into Penn State's net is just playing that rebound well. For me, Michigan State wins if they dictate their playing style early on and it gets them the first goal of the game if you look at this losing streak there's been four games where they haven't scored the first goal 
There's been two games where they've let in three goals in the first period alone. Obviously, you know, they went on to lose them all. For Michigan State, you need the first goal in the series. Penn State is high-flying. Penn State could put up goals. And if you don't put the first goal up in this series, especially with how the offense hasn't been able to score in this five-game losing streak, I I don't see how MSU fights back, especially with the the defensive zone errors, the forecheck that hasn't been as strong. I just... For Michigan State to win, they they need the first goal. They need to dictate their playing style right at puck drop and have it going for a complete 60. They they need to make less mistakes than Penn State, and it, it's going to take a lot because Penn State right now, number, fi- number five in the nation, playing very, very well. But I think Michigan State could do it 100%. They just need a hot start. If they don't have that hot start, I don't know how MSU's going to get back into it if they play the same way they've been playing the last four or five games. So so that's for me, but uh, we'll go to the Penn State side of things. The Nittany Lions will win if they do what, Stincy? I think they have to win the special teams battle because that's kind of been a weak point for Penn State all year has been their special teams. You would think for a team that has like such a great, um, you know, offense and whatnot at five on five, their special teams are not that good. They're just un- they're under 16% on the power play. Mm. Their penalty kill is below average. It's 79.6%. Um, percent. So I think that's going to be the key is they can't let Michigan State get going on, on their power play. And I think it's important that they try and capitalize on their own power plays. So I think that's I think that's going to be the one of the things to look at. One of the things that was really surprising me in my research was how like mediocre to below average uh, the Penn State special teams are. Phillips, Penn State will win if they do what? I think, I, I mean, there's a lot. You can go with just getting shots on net, exhausting St. Cyr. But I really think it's going to come down to capitalizing on turnovers, winning those battles in the neutral zone. And if you can steal the puck away from Michigan State and really, I mean, if you get an odd man rush in the Michigan State zone. I think it's – I just think I, – I, I see that as being one of the biggest weaknesses is if you can just get a man advantage when you're on offense against Dylan St. Cyr, I, I I know it's a little bit – I don't – it's not something I normally focus on, but I think that is what I see as Penn State's key to victory here. I was going to go with something you said, forcing turnovers, but you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and switch it up. I think Penn State wins if they – they're strong on the offensive face-off draw. Uh, I would say that because for the the Ohio State game, the second game where Ohio State won 6-0, we noted that there were eight penalties that MSU took, only one power play goal. Ohio State was able to win offensive zone draws, create the cycle they wanted, get the looks they wanted, and get it into the back of the net. That is something that Penn State is fully capable of doing, and Michigan State on the other side of things... Their defense has not looked as strong. Obviously, Nash House still out. Hopefully, he can return soon. But they, they, their defense has not looked as solid at the beginning of the year. And I remember at some point in the first half of the season, I was like, "I MSU sneakily has like one of the best defense like up and down. Sure, they don't have one guy that's going crazy, but they just have a solid defense. And in the second half of the season, I cannot say that at all. So for Penn State, win the offensive zone draws, and you'll you'll get a lot of shots and. A lot of shots on that and probably some in the back of the net, but moving on from that, uh, we got we got a big, big update of uh, <laughs> behind the mess because uh, we missed a little little podcast upload. But uh, Stitzy, I'm going I'm to throw it to you to break this all down. But yeah, we got we got a lot of update in the pickums. Okay, yeah. So as far as the pickums go, um, yeah, we're combining the ones that we're going to read that we would have recapped that uh, on the podcast and never went live. And the ones that we made on the podcast and never went live. Um, so I think out of those, um, I'll just do the ones that we made where they hit, um, that we never recorded, just so you know. Um, Ohio State swept Bowling Green. We all got two points for that. Uh, Penn State swept RIT. Phillips and I got two. Ryan did not get any. Um, then because Minnesota played two games over the break, uh, but they were single games against different teams, one against the... Uh, USNTDP and one against Bemidji State. Um, we only, they was were both one points. 
for each. Uh, Ryan and I got one point each for the for picking Minnesota to beat NTDP, and then we all got a point for taking them to beat Bemidji. Uh, and then the only one that predicted Alaska to split with Notre Dame was Ryan, so yeah. he got one point off that. And then we had two tournaments uh, as well that had we gotten them right would all would have been worth four points. Um, but neither, none of us got any of them right. There was the quick trip holiday face-off with uh, Wisconsin, UMass, Clarkson, and Lake State. Uh, we all picked UMass. It ended up being Clarkson somehow. Um, and so no one got points for that. And then for the GLI, uh, Phillips and I picked MSU to win. Ryan picked Michigan Tech, and as you probably know, Western Michigan won that. Um, so no none of there. us even got a team that was in the final game. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> but so if you want totals, combining those with the three series that we uh, from from last week's pod, uh, Grant told Ryan picked up nine points. Yours truly picked up ten, and then Phillips picked up eight, bringing the overall totals to a tie between Phillips and I. Or not, I mean, between Ryan and I for first place at 36, and then Phillips two points behind us at 34. It's nice to get some company up in first place. It's been, it's been wild. It's been lonely. I had it for like a month and a half, so that's that's Come long was for not me. Month, it was not a month and a half. Well, technically, because we went on break. So. One <laughs> podcast episode. So it, uh, this could have somebody back, you know, tied. Some competition up in first place. I needed some, you know. This week, though, we are, we're doing another one-point game because Wisconsin's only game this weekend is against one another ntdp so that'll be interesting it will be interesting so we'll get to do you want to just get into those pickums yeah well let's let's just jump right into it all right yeah so the first one we got on the list though is ntdp at wisconsin like i said one point game uh do we want do we want to just kind of breeze through this one we all kind of know the deal yeah wisco good ntdp i mean sorry (laughs) ntdp very good uh we just watched world juniors um a lot of that same kind of stuff happening um players are very good wisconsin and no uh, we lackluster picked, to say the least. I mean, we picked NTDP this week, or to just to let me win put the it game. this way: All Minnesota us. didn't even beat NTDP. True. So did Wisconsin. They? No, I swear. I'm, no, Minnesota I they, won. I thought. Wait, did I write? Yeah, Minnesota won. Oh wait, I picked US NTDP. Never mind. Sorry. I take two. Hurt. <laughs> take two. <laughs> don't worry, I'll edit that out. No, I'm not editing that out. <laughs> Still, do back that. back to. I mean. NTDP very good. Wisconsin yes. no. We all picked NTDP. Yeah. Okay, uh, for the one point. Next on the list, a game that would be a lot cooler if it was football, but uh, <laughs> it's still still a, cool. still a top eight what? matchup regardless. Number eight Ohio State travels to Ann Arbor to take on the number six Michigan Wolverines. I have a split. Uh, like two top, like I said, two top ten teams. They're both pretty good. Um, they both have their flaws though, and I think those are going to get exploited. Uh, I've got a split. Uh, two top ten teams. It's a rivalry matchup. It it is at Michigan, which kind of I was kind of leaning towards picking Michigan, but eh. And Ohio State, I, I was like maybe I could pick Ohio State, but I'm not taking what they did against Michigan State as super impressive. So with all that being said, it's a rivalry. It's gonna be a split, but that is gonna be a good series, though. I'm gonna have my eyes on that one mm-hmm. if I can for sure. I think first I'm gonna preface it. I'm picking Michigan. It's at Yost. <gasps> Michigan is Michigan looks really good. Ohio State mm. this past weekend, Ohio State Jakob Dobesh looked better than what we saw earlier. True. But I don't think Ohio State as a whole looked much, if at all, better than what we saw. And seeing Michigan's best at home, I I think it's clear winner for Michigan. They there's a lot of talent on Michigan's team. And I just I think they've got it in them to sweep, especially with both games at Yoast. So give me the Wolverines. Okay, okay. So if we all pick the same team to uh, like to sweep something, uh, do we all have to spend much time on this? Can I just kind of gloss over the I next mean, one? Yeah, I got I got something to say for this one. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll give everyone our takes. Uh, Minnesota at unranked Notre Dame. Uh, Minnesota's number two in the country. Uh, very good. I just got done watching the World Juniors and watched a lot of it. Uh, Logan Cooley, Jimmy Snuggerud, the whole you know team. Minnesota is very good. They are legit. They are. I would I would agree with them when I say they're the second best team in the country. Uh, that top line of Snuggerud, Cooley, and Matthew Nyes is Oof. I would think the best line in the country. 
Um, I don't want to see them play Michigan State again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. regardless, uh, they're very good. Uh, they're going to beat Notre Dame twice. Uh, for me, yep, I picked Minnesota. Minnesota's good. Notre Dame, I, I thought they were going to have a good year this year. So I I don't know I don't know what happened to them, but they they have not been looking good. They finally drop out of the rankings when they were chilling around 18, 19, 20, which for like an eternity. Uh, they split against Alaska, and then last weekend split against Wisconsin. They're just not the team that I thought they were going to be. So yeah, give me the Golden Gophers with that sweep. In correcting my earlier statement, Minnesota beat NTDP. Notre Dame did not. Minnesota number two, Notre Dame unranked, like you all said. So This is probably one of the easier Big Ten matchups you can pick this year, I think. I could see a world where Notre Dame pulls the game. It's at, it's at Family Compton Ice Arena. It's, I could see a world, but no, I'm not putting my points on the line. Heck maybe, no. maybe maybe if you like see in the crystal ball some injuries ahead for Minnesota. but <laughs> The flu. I, I, I don't see a full-strength Minnesota team with – I mean, that team is stacked. I, I don't see them wasting any time uh, – Letting a game slip by him. Yeah, I could see Minnesota going to the championship at this point. There we go. Um, okay, so the last Big Ten game of the week, uh, the one we've been spending all this time talking about. Uh, number five, Penn State travels to Mon Ice Arena to take on the 17th ranked Michigan State Spartans. I personally, perhaps I'm being optimistic with this, have a split. Um, I still find it hard. I don't really find it likely that Michigan State's going to lose seven in a row. Um, and they've had some, they played some of their best hockey of the season against Penn State. Um, so there's definitely some something to like about that matchup per se. And it seemed like they, the team had recognized what they needed to do to fix things in media availability and whatnot. Um, and like they were picking the right things, I guess, to work on. Um, and so I think that's going to be a big thing for them. If, if they can, like, if practices work and then they can fix those issues come game time, uh, I think they put themselves in a very good position to uh, pull out a win here. But uh, then again, Penn State still very good. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to say they're winning both games either. So I guess but For me, and I'm going with it. I don't like it. I know I could change it right now before I say it, but I'm going with it. I'm going with the Nittany Lions sweep. And there's a couple things, a couple reasons why. First off, I want to preface, I don't think MSU's going to go on a seven-game losing streak. I could totally see them splitting the series. But the thing is, Penn State, very, very solid team. They seem the same as they were in November, which was a very good team. But Michigan State, they got holes in their game right now. Their defense has been not as strong as before. Their offense has been missing for what seems like you know four games in a row. They got some holes in their game. They got th- some things to work on. If Michigan State wants to split the series, they got to play a very, very disciplined, not get not get into the penalty box as much, disciplined game and make very, very little mistakes. I have not seen Michigan State do that in the past four games, so I am going with the Nittany Lions sweep. I think I've already touched on this before. The effect that Mon Ice Arena can have on Michigan State's play style. And I think Penn State comes out and wins game one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a multi-goal win. I think Michigan State can pull out a second game by one goal. Whether it's third period or overtime, I think they get a one-goal win on Saturday. Not going to get another 7-3 game? No. Seven to six. That's the game. That's the game that we all want to see. That would be fun. That would be crazy. Wouldn't be great for the goals against average, but or outcome Louis or the cardiac health of anybody watching. But. Yeah, Saint Cyr sliding back and forth between the posts. Yeah, uh, but anyway, state has definitely lost its wheels. Whatever momentum they had in November is gone. I don't. I. I. I don't see them sweeping Penn State because Penn State has just been wheeling and dealing for a long time at this point. But I think State has it in them to take advantage of uh, the Mun atmosphere and get one game by one goal. I think that's going to happen Saturday. I wish I could put extra points on that because I would. Mm. But uh, I'm just, I'm going to go with the split uh, and just take 
take the one point. All righty, all righty. And then, so we'll move on to the parlays then uh, for the locks of the week. Um, I, this week, am only putting together a little three-teamer. I've got a team that's finding a new hot streak. Um, won three in a row against first Michigan State and then Arizona State and Boston University. Uh, that's Michigan Tech now sitting at 13th in the rankings uh, to sweep St. Thomas. Home game, St. Thomas isn't that good. Um, I also have uh, Western Michigan to go on the road and sweep North Dakota because I watched North Dakota for a minute. Good gosh, there are some issues. They, with their that. season has gone downhill, man. They're, they're just bad. North Dakota is just bad. Western is really good. Uh, I think in the in the GLI they outshot or they outscored their teams like it was like a combined like fifteen to two or something like that. Because I think they let me let me double check this though. I gotta I gotta confirm. But like Western's been rolling right now. Yeah. Uh, oh sorry. Sixteen to three is what I meant. They beat Tech eight to one in the first round, and then Ferris eight to two in the championship. Holy crap, I didn't know they beat Tech eight one. Oh my. Excuse me while I add Western to my picks. <laughs> so that against a um uh against a North Dakota team that had um and to pull their goalie after allowing three goals in the first period to Lindenwood. Oh. So um, they ended up coming back and winning that game. But if you're doing that, there's enough issues there as is. So give me Western to sweep Nodak. Uh, and then last one I have on the list is number three, St. Cloud State to sweep Colorado College. For me, I'm going for a cheap little two parlayer. I, I didn't mean to match you, Stinson. I'm sorry. You're fine. But I did. Uh, it's, it's, I'm going with Tech as well. The Huskies, they're looking good, but they're going against St. Thomas. And if you guys know anything about St. Thomas, you don't really need to because they're not the best team. They're like a second year program. So, yep. Second year in D1, not, it's, you know, they, they, they need some time. Uh, the only other pick I got is St. Cloud State against Colorado College. St. Cloud State, number three team in the nation, uh, came off a really good strong split against Minnesota. Colorado College, not on their level, and it's at St. Cloud State. Give me give me St. Cloud State, give me Michigan Tech, and that's going to be my two-point parlay. You're up, Phillips. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to decide. As of, <laughs> as of two minutes ago, I had two teams picked a parlay now it's sitting at four. I'm, I'm questioning whether or not to add a fifth. I am a very good. Uh, con- uh, mm. I'm very good at persuading. Apparently. <laughs> well, it's also uh, if any of the ones I'm adding don't hit, you guys don't get points either. So, uh, I've also got. I just added Michigan Tech, Western Michigan, and St. Cloud because I didn't realize how much of a role. Uh, Michigan Tech and Western have been on. Next time, remind me to not explain these picks. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, when, when yeah, I explain we... my reasoning for these okay. picks, uh, I always think my reasoning is very sound because, you know. I also I do think your reasoning is sound. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, it's too sound because now it convinces you guys to add them all to the picks. They are called locks of the week, so we may yeah. need to put a lock on them before now, we I really say should, them. man. Okay. In my defense, I... First of all, I'm down two points, so this is turned. Oh no, he's this, down so I'm, two. No, no, no. So I'm, this I'm is, banking on Bentley this weekend. And, like. Yeah, so th- this has turned from a conservative two leg parlay to now five legs. So that's uh, a the, lot of the, legs. The, the two picks I have that that I chose, no one else did. No one else touched. Uh, the one I'm most confident in is number four Denver to sweep Miami. Miami has had a couple glimpses of hope, but. And, and Denver's had some really unexpected losses. Yeah, to what? What was that one? Oh, Omaha. Alaska. Oh no, it was Alaska I thought, again. I thought they also lost to Omaha once. Something like that. Yeah, but I think then they just also lose to Alaska. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that because I'm actually shout out the shout out Fairbanks. I think they, man. I think they've lost yeah. to Arizona State. Yeah, Alaska, Omaha, and Alaska. Yep. Right. Shout out Fairbanks, man. Um, I'm pretty sure Omaha was one of them. Yep, Omaha was one, Alaska was one, St. Cloud State another, and then they got swept by UMass early on in the season. Some, I thought they lost losses. to Arizona State as well. Anyway, I've got I've got faith in Denver. Uh, they've been you know consistently top five for the season, and I don't think Miami's got it in them to to beat Denver. I just don't think they match up really well. I would have said the same thing, but then again, they, Miami also went out one time and hung five like five zero on St. Cloud, so. 
you've already talked Miami's me into other picks. You, are, <laughs> you already talked me into other picks. You're 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 trying I'm, to talk me out of a pick that w- would doing, secure you. I'm just explaining my own reasoning for not taking Denver. But whatever. Go do, do your thing. Do your thing. The more questionable. You know pick, what? I'm gonna take no. <laughs> the, the more questionable pick, my in picks. my opinion, is I also have Niagara over Bentley. Niagara, one of the only teams to beat USNTDP. Niagara scarred me too many times. <laughs> Trust too me. Many. Trust me, that came to bite uh that that came back to bite me last week. But Bentley, not good. So two a little out of the box picks trying to regain my first place status. I had it for a bit of time before falling into last place. So if your guys' hit if your guys' picks don't hit, we all lose. If mine don't hit you guys are fine. He's too smart. So I'm just he's grown. He's so evolved. I'm basically just banking on Bentley, uh, and then I let's, let's go Bentley. Bentley, I'm a Bentley if, fan. If, if Bentley, if Bentley gets at least one off Niagara, uh, or I'm Miami done. gets one off Denver, then his I, doesn't I think work. Miami's but then, get one off Denver. But so you need you need one of those two things to happen. Uh, but if those don't, and then the other th- three of mine hit, then. I get three points, and Phillips gets zero. And I get two, so I'm not that mad about that. I would take, a, yeah, so, cool. so all I would is, take a one-point lead then if my parlay hits and Phillips does not. So I'm not I just playing the game. A, I could I could just play the game and pick your guy, but no, we're we're going fortune favors the bold here. Fair enough. I think, so what, I think if you if you if your whole thing hits, then you tie us. What's the um, depends right. on Big Ten picks? Actually, too. no. Yeah, we got no, some variety there. It would depend on how Western does, I think, but. For for future reference, what what is the largest parlay that we've hit this this year? I think probably like <laughs> three, three probably. <laughs> so so if this hits, it will be the largest locks of the True. week. I keep trying. No, dude, there was one the time. Week. Yeah, you had to. There the was one time game. I had like a six or seven teamer in, in an episode. It came out like one game. I, I think was, it was like, no deck. Yeah, it was like no deck over Miami was one I picked, and that came down to the last one. And that like, I had the other six right, and that was the one that I missed was. Miami over no deck because no deck lost in like overtime to Miami blew like a three nothing lead. Was that the one where that was that the was one like that the sparked, first that sparked my like no deck hatred for the rest of the season? <laughs> and uh, then no deck started winning up. some games. No, they didn't. I thought um, like there was a couple splits in technically because you you started picking they played against like, no deck. Yes, because they started playing like Lindenwood and you know teams that aren't very good. So I'm pretty sure that parlay you're talking about the that first game with. Uh, uh, North Dakota and who were they versing? Who is Miami? Miami was that the okay. one where that game finished first, and then I'm like, "Hey, your parlay's dead," and then you came back with, "Holy crap, the rest of it hit, but that one, I think, I think yeah. so." So I'm looking at this game. The, yeah, I don't know. It's the goaltending. Like it, I I blame Drew DeRitter, honestly. Screw. <laughs> I'm looking at the box score of that game. The four three loss. They started. They were down three nothing. Came back and tied it, and then Miami scored in the last like six minutes. But they shot him like thirty six to sixteen. Deritter let up three goals and eleven shots. Like I don't know. Man. Watch us say all this stuff. Um, and, sorry, sorry. And then we all miss. sorry for we, we're sl- all we're all gonna miss. That's sorry for no, no deck makes the tournament. <laughs> They're not going to. Sorry for slandering Spartan dog Drew Deritter, but like you know, he put in his work between the pipes and Monai Serena. And he did, and other, since he left, yes. it's not been very good. Well, Could have stayed. But uh, hey, that whole <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up now. Yeah, we're gonna man. we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, we got heck of coverage for you guys this weekend. Of course, the games are at Mun, so we will be broadcasting live on the Impact A Nine FM airwaves. And if you go to the website, you could click the Listen Live button and listen anywhere. You don't need to be in the Metro Lansing area. But it will be uh, yours truly on play by play. We got Phillips on the color. Should be a great call. Should be a great game. We got Stinson writing, dishing out some beautiful stories for you guys. The goal this week, or from like for this semester now, is to get at least two written stories done a week. Ooh. One preview and one of you know wild card, whatever I'm feeling. Yeah, um, so look for those coming up. Though content preview should be out tomorrow for the Penn State, so it's it's going well. So Sweet. I will expect so some good stuff. When this podcast is up, hopefully there should be. Penn State versus Michigan State preview on Impact 89 FM, written by Stincy. And uh, Saturday, no broadcast, sadly, but we will all be in attendance, so uh, we'll we'll have somebody live tweeting the game. If you can't get your eyes on it, we'll have a recap, and we'll hopefully get some other content out for you. So keep your eyes, ears, and social medias open and peeled for all that good stuff we're going to bring you guys. But from Jacob Stinson, Jacob Phillips, and I... 
that'll do it for the first Behind the Mask podcast of the 2023 year. We'll see you next week to break down Penn State. There's a bye week coming up, so yeah, we'll probably still do a pod. But yeah, bye week coming up, so so we'll see. We'll try to do something interesting for next week. But from all of us in the studio, see you next week and have a good one.